Happy Monday, my Liberty Kitty Cats, and before we get into the 501st episode, oh my god, I got over the hump of the flagship Lions of Liberty podcast, I want to tell you about another awesome podcast that you gotta check out. This is a podcast I was recently a guest on, and it's called The Independent Riot, hosted by my friend Jim Duncan, and if you are a fan of uh, political and philosophical talks, as you may be if you listen to this show, you really gotta check out The Independent Riot, because Jim takes a very different approach to politics, he is not taking a side, he is not taking a an ideological position. He's really just trying to find out what makes people tick. And along the way, he's interviewed everyone from political reform experts to anti-war activists to tech experts, authors, psychologists, and so much more. The idea isn't to tell you what's right, but to help you determine what's right through these engaging discussions. So I want you to stop what you're doing right now. Don't even listen to this episode yet. Just go and check out The Independent Riot. At least go ahead and listen to the episode I was on. I think you're really going to enjoy it. And you're going to want to smash that subscribe button while you're there. Check out The Independent Riot. It's not left. It's not right. It's just real. We need to empower people with not just the philosophical tools, but the inspiration to break free from the system. Welcome to the flagship Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly dose of education, inspiration, and real-world application from the top minds in the liberty movement. If you want liberty, we need to be better leaders, better husbands, better fathers, better friends, better businessmen. We need to be better people. Here's your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Clare. I gotta say, I am digging the new theme, the new intro uh, from our good friend, Dan Smods. I just gotta give him a plug because he did a kick-ass job helping me produce this new intro. Uh, Now that we've gone past 500, I felt it was time for a change. Uh, So, of course, Dan is responsible for, if you've seen any of the great video stuff coming out of Joe Jorgensen and Spike Cohen's campaigns, uh, that was Dan. If you liked it, if you thought it was awesome, trust me, it was Dan. Uh, So, he's done awesome work. Check out all his work goulash films he is also host of a great podcast called the system is down so check that all out support this man who brought you this amazing intro and uh now that we are over here in episode 501 the first episode i'm going to bring you here in this new era here of lions of liberty is actually cleaning up some stuff from before episode 500 after my debate that i hosted between dave smith and eric brakey i brought on friend of the show brian nichols for a special live stream to our patrons of course you got to join the pride dude you got to check out our patreon patreon.com slash lions of liberty where you get all sorts of exclusive access to bonus audio and video content but this one i'm gonna bring it out of the firewall because i thought it was such an important discussion that i wanted to share it with all of you here today so without further ado my good friend the host of the brian nichols show it's brian nichols brian are you ready to roar uh mark claire i've been looking forward to this and yes of course i am ready to roar my friend thanks for having me back on Great. I, I thought you would be. And we have a, a number of things I kind of want to dive into to with you today. Uh, but first, I think, and this might really lead into the conversation and naturally, but we want to talk about the uh, the Dave Smith, Eric Brakey debate. Now, depending on uh, when people are, are watching or listening to this, you might be caught in a time warp. I don't know, because this is uh, we're actually live streaming this for our patrons, our, our wonderful Lions of Liberty Pride, which you can find more about at patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. The secret Facebook group is getting instant access to this the day after that debate airs. Uh, that may not be when you're listening. If you're you know, one of those people that just wants to get this podcast for free and doesn't want to support your favorite libertarian variety show, no big deal. Uh, so either way, it might be a few weeks since you heard the debate. It might be a day since you heard the debate. Who knows? But either way, 
It just happened for us. So, so Brian, what are your thoughts about the Dave Smith, Eric Brakey debate? The topic, of course, was whether the Ron Paul liberty movement, and this is kind of a, a specific segment of the liberty movement that is, I guess, being targeted with this conversation. Uh, yes. Should the energy of that and focus of that movement be directed towards the Libertarian Party, which I guess would be easier to take over? That's Dave Smith's stance and turn into the quote unquote, you know, real home of the, the liberty message. Or should that energy be put into the Republican Party as people like Ron Paul? as Eric Brakey, as Rand Paul, Thomas Massey, Justin Amash, et cetera, have done. Brian, first of all, just what were your thoughts on the debate overall? Well, here's, let's start here, right? This is the debate we should be having. If, if there's ever a debate <laughs> in libertarian circles, because we know we like to have debates a lot, right? But this is the one that we should be having, is, is how do we actually get liberty into action? And, and this has been what we've been focusing over on my show. I know this is what we've been focusing on your show, is how do we get liberty policy into action to make actual people's lives freer. And that was to the point, you know, I think Eric was making um, on, on his, his side of the debate was, you know, well, how can we actually get this into policy? And and to Dave's point, how can we also get people not only to get policy into action, but also become lifelong libertarians? So I think what we're going to see is when we're having this actual debate over, you know, the, the very deep-rooted philosophical debates that we find ourselves too often entrenched in, this is where we're actually going to start seeing some real progress happen, right? So I want to start the, the conversation off with that being said. Uh, going forward, right, um, what uh, do I think in terms of the debate outcome? I think, and I know this sounds like the, the cop-out answer, but honestly, both both Mark, uh, I'm sorry, both um, Eric and, and Dave had, I think, stellar points. And I think it really comes down to a we need to do both. And here's the, the sales approach that I take. Um, it was like a back and it was like a back and forth boxing uh, match to me because it's one of those things where whoever is in control at the moment, whoever's talking at the moment, I start to feel like, oh, this person is the one who who's right because this this answer I'm hearing right now is is so spot on. And then the next person takes over, and you're like, oh no, but this guy's right because he's getting he's landing all the punches now. And it really was like truly a, just an amazing experience to sit back and host because there was just obviously a tremendous respect. I say in the room in the virtual room uh, that, that these uh, two guys have for each other. But uh, they both are making honest, coherent points that I have a hard time arguing with either one. Yeah. Well, and that's to the point, I think, because they both are correct. Right. And this has been, I think, too often the problem we've had in the greater liberty movement is that we've tried to make it a, is it a GOP option or is it the LP option? And to the, the point I think we need to really focus on is, okay, well, let's look at somebody like a Congressman Massey, right? I think Congressman Massey, by and large, we would agree 90%, if not more, on his approach to the issues, right? But he's got an R next to his name. So if I'm the libertarian, the big L libertarian candidate in Massey's district, yeah, I could run and be that 100% pure libertarian based on principle. But then what are we sacrificing in return to get that 100% pure person by getting rid of the 90% person, right? Or, or putting them in a position where we're splitting that vote. And, and odds are that that 100% pure person, quote unquote, is only 100% pure to themselves or some other people in the party. And uh, to some people, Thomas Massey might actually be more pure than that person, depending on their perspective on things. Exactly. So I think what we need to start doing is being very tact tactful, right, in how we're approaching these elections and, and specifically looking at areas where we can have liberty-oriented candidates, be they in the Republican Party or the big L Libertarian Party, where they can actually win. And I think what we're going to find, by and large, is as we get hyper-local, we start to focus more and more on 
the local elections, think your your city council, your mayoral elections, or even some of your school board elections, right, which are overtly nonpartisan. And we can start to get big L libertarians into local office. This is where we can start to build that resume. And I, I talk about this a lot on the show. The resume really is a, a, it's really a listed item of trust that you have built with the public. And for better or for worse, this is how people look at politicians. They look to see, well, what have you done for me? And they look to see, well, where have you done whatever it is that you say you've done? Okay, you've done it at the school board level, the city council level, the mayoral level. Now you're building some relevance. And now I'm starting to trust that you can actually get some stuff into action. The problem that we've had as libertarians is that there's nothing really people can base their trust on, right? They're basing a lot of they're, they're feeling good <laughs> sentiments, right? The emotional aspect, which is great when they vote for libertarians. But in that long-term investment, what are they actually getting? And the problem is that they don't really have anything to, to look back at and say, well, yeah, I trust that my vote is going to lead to these positive changes. So to Eric's point, right, I, I think you look at the libertarian or the libertarian party, it's not really a great vessel to actually get policy into action right now. But to Dave's point, the Libertarian Party has the freedom and the ability to really make sure it is principled. It sticks to its convictions and speaks a strong libertarian message, but also will help hold those in, you know, specifically in this case, the Republican Party who are of liberty uh, mindset. It'll at the very least keep them honest and keep them you know, true to their convictions. This, this might be a case of just what do you what do you want to do more? What do you feel more comfortable with? Do you feel more comfortable in a circumstance where you have the the freedom to maybe be in the Libertarian Party, give as hardcore a message as you possibly can, and know that you well, I wouldn't say you won't face any pushback. You'll probably always face push pushback in libertarian circles of some kind. Uh, but you know you kind of have the freedom to let loose or what have you. Or do you want to be more of a, a Machiavellian in in a sense? Because you kind of have to be. You kind of have to be in politics at all, to be honest, if you're going to get anywhere. And I think that is the great conflict for libertarians is that we uh, abide by the non-aggression principle. We believe in this non-aggression principle. We take an oath and at least in terms of the Libertarian Party, you actually take a not an oath, but you sign a statement basically saying that you are against you know violence for p- political means, and then you know, that that kind. Of, and I, I'm not suggesting violence per se, but at some point you're you kind of do have to violate the non-aggression principle in a sense if you actually want to quote unquote take over politics and actually have political power. Uh, so that's the great conflict I think for for libertarians. And uh, our friend Pete Quinones has written about this on his Substack. You know about what what really like a libertarian Machiavellian you know, campaign would look like, and it would really look like, uh, I'll try to link to this post when I, when I actually post the episode, uh, but you know, it would look like really researching who holds the power in that town and connecting to those people, hiring a lawyer who actually knows the ins and outs of everything you need, need to do along the way, taking power. And then yes, putting all your libertarian friends in every position of power you possibly can. It means yeah. doing things that some people might say are wrong in politics, just putting all your people in power, just taking over. But that, that also is the point of politics. So it is this great conflict, I think, as libertarians who are who actually think the political system is the problem to actually want to get into it and do something. And I guess that just comes to the point of do we need to have this debate or is is the point that there is good merit to both sides and maybe we need a multi-pronged approach because the 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 approach of progressives, the approach of the uh, I, I don't even want to say Democrats because it is the sort of progressive the progressive march has been going on for over 100 years here and really if you look at it now progressives have taken over the media the schools the universities uh, i guess it's all in the schools whatever the, the the primary schools the universities uh and the democratic party 
and the Republican Party, because the Republican Party is basically a progressive party as well. They're just progressive at, at you know, 70% of what the Democrats are. So we're, they've really taken over everything. They probably, some would say they've taken over parts of the Libertarian Party. So it's really, they, the, the progressive uh, ideology has not limited itself in any way, shape, or form. It's gone everywhere. And I think in one, in one way or another, that's what Libertarians have to do as well. We have to be everywhere. We have to wage war on all fronts. Well, I mean, I've never really heard of a business that has ever been successful in just doing the same thing over and over and over again, no matter what, because they think it's the right thing to do. Now, yeah, you can you can find your your magic in a bottle where you have like your your very thoughtful, care oriented organization that you know that's their mission and it just happens to work. You know, I think of Tom's off the top of my head. Um, you know, focusing getting shoes to people who are in need, and they do that as an organization that sells shoes, right? Um, but that's not just like a single facet of the organization. They also sell other things, right? And you look at the Libertarian organ- uh, Party as like a platform to actually enacting these these libertarian or liberty oriented policies, and you know. If that's going to be one of our, our arguments of, well, that's why you should vote for me. Well, what are we getting in return? Again, the voter doesn't really have anything that they're looking at us as like getting something in return besides this feel good. Right. And this is something that we need to think about. What's what's the person, <laughs> the customer in this case, which is the voter or somebody out there who is just looking for a different way of, of thinking? What are they getting of value from us that they can apply to their real life, right? Beyond just living the ideas of liberty, if we're looking at the Libertarian Party as a political party, what is its value, right? And this is, again, I think where you have a lot of the, the folks in the liberty movement who they kind of get stuck in the, the sentiments of, well, this is how it should be versus like, this is the real world and the, the realities of what we're dealing with. Right. And, and I think until we kind of get to that mindset, like we have to be able to meet people where they're at based on the, the confines of where we are at as a society. Like we're just going to keep on being white noise. Nobody's going to pay attention to us if we're sitting over there talking about the non-aggression principle when they're trying to figure out how they can feed their families, because that's the issue that matters to them. So to that point, we need to make sure we're focusing on the issues that matter to people. And I, I've actually heard some people say, Brian, you're just you're just being a populist. It's like no, no, no. You, you're confusing being a problem solver, sales, with you know just echoing back what people want. Right? It's a matter of taking what people want, hearing what the the, the problem is, and then offering a solution. Not just you know going ahead and answering that problem based on what the person says. You know, you hear you know a kid you know, throwing a temper tantrum. You don't just give the kid whatever they want in order to, to quell the temper tantrum, right? use it as a problem-solving opportunity. You, you help the kid understand the value, right? Of, well, hey, this is why we're going to wait for you to get this toy, right? You know, you're going to earn money to, to buy it yourself, and you're going to teach the value that that kid's going to put into going towards buying that gift instead of you just saying, I want the kid to stop screaming in Walmart and buy the damn, damn toy, right? That's the difference in selling and solving problems as a, a true salesperson, a problem-solver, and a, a really becoming a trusted advisor, Versus just trying to give people what they want. And that's where we have to walk that fine line of trying to be those problem solvers, but also meeting the people where they're at based on the issues that matter to them. All right, guys, I got to take a quick time out to tell you about someone that Brian here has interviewed as well. He is my good friend, Mikkel Thorup, and I need to tell you about his amazing show, The Expat Money Show. Now, we've been talking here today about how to sell liberty, how to convince people of the ideas of liberty, how to best market these ideas. But at the same time, what I'm really trying to encourage people to do uh, with this show as 
as of late is to find ways to gain more liberty in your own lives. And one way to do that and one way to prepare for the worst case scenarios is to plan for a possible life abroad, whether it's just having overseas investments, a second passport, uh, a plan B to get the hell out of here when the shit hits the fan. Uh, Based on the past year, I think the shit has been hitting that fan really damn hard. So it behooves you to do your best to arm yourselves with the knowledge you need to have an escape plan, to have a plan B, and there's no better resource for doing so than at the Expat Money Show. I want you to take a second, pop right into your favorite podcatcher and search Expat Money Show. You will find it. You will subscribe to it. You will love it. Trust me on this. And while you're at it, come join the conversation on Facebook in the Expat Money Forum, moderated by yours truly. You can find that by going to expatmoneyforum.com. And for people that don't, uh, you know, know your your background entirely, you are in sales for a living, so you're not just you know talk, talking out of your, your butt here. Uh, because, but but ultimately, when this is one thing that I've I've learned over the years, uh, probably more so since I've not worked in sales. I did work in sales very very briefly. Uh, I've probably learned a lot more not working in sales uh, in, in since that point. Uh, but what I've realized is that of course I've been working in sales because everything is sales. Every single yes. thing we do is sales. Uh, I mean, I literally make sale, sales on the podcast. Uh, I encourage people to subscribe. I encourage people to join the Patreon. I encourage people to support our sponsors. Every one of those those uh, you know those actions is a sale, uh, yeah. and we're successful at those sales. And it's only when it when you look back and, and can point little things out and say, oh, I actually am doing sales here. But that doesn't mean I'm manipulating everybody. We we don't want to confuse or conflate sales slash persuasion, which is really basically all the same thing, with populism, with just saying what the people want to hear. That's not the same thing. It can be the same thing, I guess. Uh, you could be a populist who is just trying to tell people what they want to hear uh, in order to persuade them. But you can also be an honest broker. You can also be an honest salesman and actually listen to what people are saying, understand what they want. And like you said, take that information, use that as a tool to show them why, why we are, you know, why the Liberty Solution is the best thing. And I think, I think politically, uh, what's really difficult, you know, something you've touched on here is that, you know, you, you don't know what you're getting. There's no like history of trust there with libertarian party specifically. Uh, there's not with Democrats. There's this, this, the history of Democrats being in office. People kind of know what Democrats are going to do and say. Same thing with Republicans, whether they like them or not. There's a history there. People kind of have a feel of what Republicans generally stand for. Uh, when they hear libertarian, mostly they just hear something they either don't understand at all or they hear something that to them sounds so batshit insane, they'd rather go with the safe choice that they might not even feel that comfortable about because it's safer. At least they kind of know what a Republican is, kind of know what a Democrat is, and they know it. it's in their their zone of, of safe thoughts and safe feelings because it's, it's still the world they kind of live in. Whereas what libertarians are putting out there to them, it sounds like the craziest batshit stuff ever. Yep. Well, and here's part of the problem, right, is that we approach things through the lens of we've done the the hard research we've done the, the deep digging and and we you know we have white papers galore that and can no one cares <laughs> yeah right exactly and nobody cares right because what we've done is we go out and you know we'll, we'll get these bumper sticker slogans you know end the war on drugs and the fed right but when your average person hears that 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 means nothing right you know they they start to think okay what's this mean and the first thing you do is you try to tie to the emotional thing that you have in your brain right what is it that the emotional tie i have to hearing the war on drugs right maybe it goes to the nancy reagan you know this is your brain this is your brain on drugs ad where they show the scrambled egg right Fri- yeah maybe fried those food. fried those fried eggs those, those ads just got me hungry every time that's all they ever did for me i was like oh i'm, I'm I not know. really thinking about drugs i'm thinking about eggs right now <laughs> 
that, well, and that's why Arnold Schwarzenegger had a loop at his gym. But to that point, right? If if we're talking to people more so about like these bumper sticker slogans, well, of course they're kind of you know just kind of tune us off because to your point, there is nothing they can really look to to say. Well, here's where I actually know I can trust people when they're talking about ending the war on drugs, right? So what we need to do is instead show how we can solve problems that just happen to involve ending the war on drugs, right? So if you were to go to an area that has rampant um you know drug arrests let's say right and you were to say well what if you know what if we were able to help clean up your community to make it a, a safer community right but listen they're gonna be like okay go on tell me yeah. more no and, we do not want that we would like more danger for ourselves and our <laughs> children that's what we'd like right and well and that's the thing now, we give concerned? them something they can't argue with Exactly. And that's the thing is that we're trying to get them to ask, tell me more. And that's what we call peaking interest, right? You're peaking their interest to get them to tell you more. And, and, and then once you, you're able to get them captured, right, that's when we can start to show the value in the, the policies. And then you can kind of start to, to wind back. It's, it's the difference of trying to sell, uh, you know, the, the value of something versus the commodity, right? So there's this great, uh, this great sales executive for one of the, the carriers that we work with. And I've known him now for, oh my goodness, many, many years. And one of the things he does for every new salesperson that comes to the, the, the company that I work at, um, that we're partner, he's partners with, he will bring them a little pack of like travel toothpaste and a little you know bar of soap. The point being is that the industry that we find ourselves in, typically being you know, voice and data services, so your traditional you know, hosted VoIP solutions or your big dumb internet pipes and such, right? But those are commodities, right? Just like going to the store and buying toothpaste or, or buying soap. But when you go to the store and you buy toothpaste and you buy soap, you're not just buying toothpaste and soap. You're buying the value that you perceive in whatever brand it is, be it Colgate versus Crest or you know Dial versus what uh name that that's so right suave then you're buying that brand based on the value that you perceive from that value so it's on us to then show that we have value that we have differentiated ourselves but not just being the different product not just the rc cola but there's something that people get out of that right and that's where we're going to find that long lasting success because people and this is where I get very nervous about the, the prospects for the Libertarian Party is our ability to keep people in the movement. And, and we've been not doing too hot. And when I'm a sales guy, you know, one of the things you look back at is your returning customer base. And it should always be easier to have a customer return than it is to get a new customer. And yet we see time and again, we lose millions of customers every single election cycle. And I, I, we need to ask ourselves, why do we keep losing customers? Why do you know what what got them here in the first place, and how do we keep asking the questions that you know, we need to ask to figure out what are the problems that we need to solve to keep them here? One thing you mentioned that that kind of struck me there is that I the Libertarian Party is essentially the you know, the RC cola of politics. You know, people look at this other thing, what and they might apply to the Green Party or Constitution Party or any other fringe party that is not the Democrats or Republicans. They they've spent their life seeing Coke and Pepsi, seeing Democrats and Republicans in power, and now RC Cola comes along, the libertarians come along, and we 
they get just get looked at as you know you you really got to make a good sales pitch to try to go away from the two quote unquote trusted brands even when everyone says they hate the trusted brands even when everyone thinks oh I hate the I hate this side that side well you know the, the numbers don't lie they don't because they they keep coming back to them there has to be a compelling reason for them to go outside that box and there hasn't been and maybe that's one point in Eric Brakey's favor is that you get to at least skip past that part you get to at least skip past the RC Cola label if you're jumping on with with Pepsi, as I'll call the Republicans, I guess, in this in this network. <laughs> well, and, and there has to be that reason that people want to try the RC Cola, right? Um, you look at, I'm sure if we were to go to Facebook right now, unless it's been purged in the Facebook purge, but I'm sure there's like an RC fans, like, you know, group on there. And there's probably like, you know, a, a group if of- If RC like, Cola groups got purged before Lions Liberty, then I'll know that we did something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> then I'm sure the conspiracies they have of why RC Cola isn't up there with Pepsi and Coke go far beyond why libertarians are at the top of the tickets. But, you know, when you look at, you know, the this RC is Cola a thing. Group, this is a big thing. There's RC Cola groups all over the place. There's RC Cola Israel. There's RC Cola Philippines, you know. like they, I did not realize this is a worldwide movement. So maybe there's so hope for the that? libertarians. <laughs> but how about that, right? That speaks to okay. So just like us weird libertarians, we have our you know pet thing in this case liberty, right? We care about liberty, and we have our Facebook groups and stuff. But like, do you think? Like, like you know, I'm sure we, we we don't shut up ever about it. But like with liber- you know libertarians on the internet, Republicans, Democrats, they care about you know the you know, 1,000, you know, people in a group or whatnot. Same thing probably with Pepsi and Cola. Do you think they, they look at, you know, RC Cola as a threat? No. Um, but I'm sure if all of a sudden a bunch of, you know, But at least, RC- at least they're not writing legislation to keep RC Cola off the shelves. I guess that that's that's a problem that the Libertarian Party actually does face in their process. Good, well, I was just going to say, if all of a sudden a couple of RC Cola execs, um, is better to come from Pepsi Cola or Coca-Cola, right? And it starts to bring that they've learned over those parts, how to build those, you know, those big, ginormous, popular brands, right, that people are buying, then wouldn't it make sense for RC Cola to embrace them and to try and take what they've learned? And this is one of the things that does drive me crazy, are these libertarian purity tests. We we do need to, to, you know, while, and this goes, I think, in favor of what Dave's been saying, is if we're going to be bringing people in, you know, and actually, it's funny, Larry Sharp put on my show, and he said this too, he's like, listen, I'm their recruiter. And no, they're not going to be libertarian when we first get them in. It's on the people who are part of the the movement, those educators who are going to go out there and help keep the people in the movement by helping convert them to being libertarians, to caring about libertarians. Listen, we get it. We know they're not libertarian when they get here. That's that's part of the point, right? And we need to be able to convert them. What we're doing right now is we're trying to be the salespeople of liberty, trying to bring people into the movement and make them the long-term customer. Like, if we're able to get like that, quote unquote, like MRR, that monthly recurring revenue from the, the customer. And that is them going to the ballot box every single month or every single year, rather, and, and casting their ballot for libertarian candidates. And we have done our job, right? But it first requires us to get them here and to want to learn more. And, and it requires us to talk to people who aren't libertarian to begin with, right? If we only are talking to the people who agree with us, well, congratulations, we've gotten more people to agree with us who already agree with us. I don't really see any company only grow by focusing on explicitly their own base of this business, you know, in that regards. Like, yes, we, we, we have to have a fine balance, right? Going out, finding new people, but also keeping your base of business. We haven't really done either. We, it's either been one or the other and to the detriment of both. We, it has to be a fine balance, but it also requires us being on the same team. You know, 
whether you want to look at it as the Libertarian Party or the Liberty Movement as a business, right? We are all on this same team trying to get more people free. And if we're getting stuck on this mindset of, well, I might lose my, you know, kind of significant position in this greater liberty movement when we bring more people in as the pond gets bigger, then you might need to do some self-reflection. Why are you in this movement? Like, are you here to help people live a freer life, you know, get people's lives objectively better? Or are you in it just for yourself? And, and if that's, you know, one of the things that you need to deal with, and that's one thing you need to deal with. And that's okay. Um, but, you know, we're, there's other folks out there. We're, we're trying to grow this thing. You know, we're trying to, to really help people. Um, you know, what you're doing at Lions, you know, having these debates, I think it's super important because it allows us to flesh out these ideas. And and really, it makes people have to kind of figure out what's what's the vision? Like, what is the goal? Because I don't think we've had a, a cohesive goal or objective in mind as a greater movement in a while. Really, I mean, Ron Paul was kind of that last, like, our goal was to get Ron Paul in the White House, right? That was the last objective, like, cohesive goal that the greater living movement had. And since then, it's been a pretty fractured movement. So I think we need to figure out what our overall goal is and then embrace everybody trying the different approaches to be able to get that goal into action. Right. We have to have kind of a a collective either goal or just a collective system in place. And from that system, people can branch out and do their own things, whether it's media type stuff like you and I are doing, whether it's direct action in third party politics, direct action, in Republican politics, Democratic right. politics, whatever it is, uh, the, the battle should be waged on all fronts. What, one thing I want to kind of go back to that you mentioned earlier is that the problem that at least when it comes to the Libertarian Party, we have of kind of of um, getting the, the returning customer, so to speak, because every you know every four years, you know, especially from the last not Joe Jorgensen's campaign, but from the Gary Johnson, Bill Weld campaign, we'll always hear, well, they got the, the highest number of vote totals of, of any Libertarian Party candidate, which is true. Um, so that's an, an objectively, I suppose, good thing when in politics. However, though that's like a, it's like a one time. Here's a few million votes. What happened to those people? Those people were placing a vote. They you could argue they weren't even making a sale because the vote hardly cost them anything and then they didn't they're not a part of the party now. They're not members, they're not donors, they're not activists. They're just one-time voters and how much value does that really bring other than a one-time shot in the arm of and I'm sure local activists think it's it's huge and it is to them. Uh, a one-time shot in the arm of not having to go get ballot access, not having to spend all that time and money to get ballot access. But if that's all we're we're aiming for, then we're just kind of trapped in the endless cycle. And and what I am kind of curious your opinion on here is how to sort of because as you also said, we do need to talk to other people. Uh, we do need to be reaching out to people of of sort of different ideologies, uh, people that aren't already libertarians. The libertarians have this problem where they're not returning their customers. Uh, they're getting millions of votes, like Gary Johnson and Bill Weld got millions and millions of votes, but none of those people became, not none, some some of course did, but most of those people did not become Libertarian Party members, Libertarian right. Party donors, Libertarian Party activists, probably not philosophical libertarians either. They just came in, tossed a vote uh, for whatever reason, and moved on. Uh, and so I, I don't know if we can that as as necessarily a sale or not i guess it's a sale in the sense i mean for people that now don't have to spend all their time in those local areas where that actually gets them ballot access that's huge for them so i, I don't want to downplay how how big that is for people to not have to waste like two years trying to get signatures and spending all this money on ballot access uh obviously that's huge but if we're if we're trying to get a bunch of votes which of course we're a political party the libertarian party is a political party so of course they have to try to get votes uh, i'm not going to deny that but we're also like i want the central message like like what you're saying we have to turn people into libertarians. So I feel like the central messengers of this, whatever that is, whether it's chairs or part libertarian party leadership, 
candidates, those central messengers, those people that are looked at as the leadership should really be libertarians. Not necessarily everybody that just comes in, but the central leadership, the people putting out the message should have, I don't want to say a pure message because I, I think the whole purity thing is that's, that's, um, that's subjective. Everybody's got a different level of purity, but should be as close to what we generally call libertarians as we can kind of get. But at the same time, is does that can that can we bring in more people that way? Uh, whereas you could certainly argue in a, in a short term, a Bill Welder, a Gary Johnson is going to quote unquote you know bring in more voters, more people. But are they re are they really bringing in more sales, more returning sales? And that I, I wouldn't say it remains to be seen. It's kind of seen. Uh, not really is the answer. So how do we yeah. how do we kind of walk this line where we want the central messengers to be libertarians to be the ones converting people, uh, but we also need those same central messengers, those marketers, to be bringing those same non libertarians in. Yep. Uh, well, so in sales, one of the things you're talking about all the time are KPIs, key performance indicators, right? So one of the things I'm going to be looking at when I say 2016, Gary Johnson and Bill Bell ballpark, what was like 4 million smart votes? Does that, does that sound right? Something like in that. There? Three point something, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yes. So we, we see, okay, we had these two guys get this many votes. And then the next candidate, Dr. Jorgensen, you know, wonderful lady, had her on the show twice, love her to death. She dropped down to like 1 million votes. So what was different between Dr. Jorgensen and Bill Weld and Gary Johnson? Bill Weld and Gary Johnson were two former governors, Republican governors in pretty blue states being Massachusetts and New Mexico. They're fairly successful governors as Republicans. But to that end, they had cred, right? They were former governors. They had a record people could look back to. Now, we can argue about that record, but at least they had a record that they could look back to. And with that, that's and why a record I think with those credible brands. They were essentially right. ex-CEOs of Pepsi or ex-maybe, you know, ex-spokesmen for Pepsi or, or, or um, Coke. You don't have to be Gary Johnson or Bill Well. But you, you can still be that candidate, right, that is the, the libertarian candidate. But now you have the, the credibility. You have that record that you can base it on. Right. And that's what people are looking for. So to the point, I think we have to go full circle here. Right. You know, what's the, the best way to actually get liberty into action? And again, I, I hate to be that guy, but both Dave and Eric are right. You know, we need to have libertarians taking over not just the GOP, but the Democrats as well. If you if you have an area where you can win as a libertarian Democrat, go for it. Do it. Why not run as a Democrat and run as a libertarian Democrat, but run on the most Whatever that you know issue is, that's the bed bug issue. Like like Scott Horton says, like out left the left, be the most yeah. liberal mf'er that Democrat on those specific issues that you they've, they've ever ever freaking seen. Be the most quote unquote progressive on criminal justice reform, on ending the drug war, on police reform, on uh, on en ending and uh, maybe for a local position this won't matter as much, but ending wars and that sort of thing. Uh, civil liberties. Be so hardcore that the the you know the Democratic base has no choice but to vote for the most Democrat person in their minds that they've seen exactly and but then if you want to do that more so as an independent candidate right go back to the school board right the nonpartisan campaigns then you can run as the unabashed libertarian on the specific issue that's battering to your your community right but once we're able to do that then we can move up the ranks and once we're able to move up the ranks and build more cred that's when people aren't going to look at that libertarian candidate with the raised eyebrow who are they again? What do they stand for? More so, it'll it'll be oh oh yeah, it's Bill. Bill ran as a school board guy, then ran for city council, then for mayor, then for assembly, then for senate. Oh, and now he's running for Congress. 
yeah, I know Bill. And that's what we need to be able to do. And I don't know why it hasn't been the focus. I'm praying it will be the focus, um, but we'll get there, right? I mean, I, th- I think we're starting to see a change in just at the very least the approach that people are taking to this entire movement in the, the just liberty movement by and large, right? Well, uh, speaking of uh, Bill, <laughs> the hypothetical Bill in this example, the best Bill of all time was Ron Paul. And and one thing we don't put it, talk about as much when it comes to Ron Paul, yeah, he ignited a movement uh, by being on that debate stage, yada, yada, yada. The only reason he was able to be on that debate stage was because he had been a congressman for all those years. And the only reason he had been a congressman for all those years, not the only reason, but a big reason, is because everyone in his district had their baby delivered by him like he spent decades or like years and years and years building his own credibility in that community not with not with this grand plan i'm going to deliver all these babies and become a congressman but it worked out that way because when so, when you literally have known a man who's who's delivered half your community like that human being has credibility people didn't vote for ron paul because they love he was he was coming and knocking on their doors talking about the federal reserve or the gold standard that's that's not what captured people to vote for him some people might have thought oh that's interesting anyway i like ron he's great he delivered my kid of course, I'm going to vote for him. That's what yeah. got Ron Paul where he is, uh, doing things from the ground up. Ground floor sales is what got him to the point. It got him yes. the credibility that could get him to the point of being allowed to be on a Republican debate and Mark, being in that do you, position. Do you think that that people just walked in to to Dr. Paul's you know do, uh, office when he was delivering their kids? They're like, yeah, we're just going to take the, the random doctor. No, they're going to go to the doctor that they trusted the most. Mm -hmm. And that speaks to exactly where we've been lacking is why don't people trust our libertarian candidates? Because, and here's the dirty rotten secret. If we want to get libertarians enacted into office, if that's a goal that we're going to try to do, then those libertarian activists and candidates need to be activists in those communities. We can't, we can't just be focused on the online community. It's important, but like we need to be out there impacting real people's lives in our specific areas, because that's the people that, number one, honestly, who matter to us. But number two, the people that they're actually going to be looking at us as, oh, I trust you. You're my problem solver, trusted advisor now. And that's where we're going to be able to have, you know, the the, the conversations with people that we're otherwise not going to be able to have. You know, you can't have the conversation unless you start the dialogue and it starts at home. Yeah, when it comes down to ultimately is building credibility and you can build that credibility while running uh, in a libertarian party, while running as an independent, while working in the Republican Party, while staying the fuck out of politics, as I would like to, you can build that credibility in your own ways, uh, like as we have done with our podcast. Our podcast has built our credibility uh, that and whether it's or in your career, whether you've have like a track record of, of successful sales for 10 years. Well, yeah, that builds your credibility. So now people want to work with you. Uh, it's the same thing everywhere. And we can apply the principles that we apply in every other aspect of life, uh, in our professional lives, our personal lives, uh, maybe not all of our professional and personal lives, uh, but we can apply these same principles to selling the ideas of liberty and to working towards those ends. And that's really, uh, that's why I brought you on today to, to discuss that. And this is a conversation we really need to continue having. And I, I'm sure we'll continue to do so down the road. So Brian, thank you so much uh, for hopping on here with me today through all the uh, the technical issues that uh, the uh, the people that actually get this podcast at the end won't even know about. They won't even know <laughs> what, what I'm referencing right now, but thank you so what much. Issues? Uh, what issues? No issues. Well, uh, but thank you so much, Brian, for taking the time. Before I let you go here, of course, let everybody know all the ways they can find The Brian Nichols Show and uh, anyone else, anything else you want to plug, plug away. Absolutely. Sell away. 
Thank you. Oh, well, thank you, Mark Claire. Well, I, I appreciate that. And, and I guess the way I'll say I'll sell this, right, is if, if you want to ha- have the chance to figure out how we can actually get this Liberty stuff into action, then uh, head over to BrianNicholsShow.com. Um, what we're doing is we're having conversations uh, with the people who are, you know, the thought leaders, and they're in the driver's seats right now, right? They're, they're the ones who are leading the conversations on the national stage and are actually making a difference. So what we're doing is we're having conversations that educate, enlighten, and inform. And it's helping empower people to be able to go out into their communities and actually help sell liberty. So uh, you can follow me over on Twitter, Facebook, Minds.com, B Nichols Liberty. Had a nice parlor there until that got nuked. Um, and you can go ahead and uh, if you want to get in touch, email me, Brian, at BrianNicholsShow.com. Uh, and for the show, it's found anywhere. You find your podcasts. Uh, but if you do go to Apple Podcasts, all I ask is that since we don't charge anything in the Brian Nichols Show, all I ask is five minutes of your time uh, for a quick uh, five-second rating and review, right? Five stars would be great. Um, and then tell folks why you, you, you're a Brian Nichols Show member of the audience and what value that you guys get from the show. So uh, yeah, BrianNicholsShow.com. I appreciate, Mark, um, you having me on the show to, to have a platform here to talk about how we can sell liberty and actually create some value to help people in their real lives. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Brian. And while you guys are over there leaving a great five-star review for Brian Nichols after you check out his show, if you haven't already, just Give one to us, too. You probably already have. I know most Please. of you already have. But it, well, why not? Give us a five-star rating and a great review. Uh, thank you so much, Brian. Keep up the great work. Keep kicking ass. Three days a week, I think you're doing the show now, Brian Nichols. You're, you you're, sure are. You're yeah. killing it's, 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 you're picking me over here. You're going to lap me eventually, uh, like like Pete did. He hit 500 just before me because that bastard started turning him out three times a week. Uh, but you guys are both doing great work, and I know you will keep up the great work as well. So keep up that great work, man. Keep on roaring. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> Hey gang, one more thing I got to mention before we wrap up here. I got to tell you about our friends at Lauren Zotti Italy. Do you like coffee? Do you like premium Italian coffee? Do you like it affordably delivered to your house? Well, guess who does that? Our friends at Lorenzotti Italy. You can find them at lorenzotti.coffee. That's lorenzotti.coffee. I will also link to that in today's show notes. And I really want to encourage you to support these guys because they are not just fine connoisseurs and procurers. Is that a word? Procurers? Procurers? You know what I'm trying to say. Of fine Italian coffee. But they are also great libertarians, great supporters of this program, patrons of this program uh, for over a year now, as well as great entrepreneurs and people who help others. So they also, in addition to getting fine premium coffee delivered to your house, they can also help you set up your own coffee business, whether it's uh, getting equipment, getting financing, trying to set up your own coffee shop. These are the guys to go to. So they really are a one-stop shop for whether you're a coffee lover or whether you're trying to get into that niche as an entrepreneur. So please do check out our friends at Lauren Zotti Italy at laurenzotti.coffee and use discount code LIONS for 10% off your order. All right, kitty cats. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with the great Brian Nichols. And I have got an amazing lineup of interviews lined up for you over the next few weeks here. I'm really, really excited for them. Next week, you're going to hear an awesome interview with Matt Kibbe, getting into some personal stuff that he really hasn't gotten into too much elsewhere. So I'm very excited to share that one with you. But in the meantime, you can hear more from me in several places. I did a couple guest appearances on a few podcasts, a few smaller, newer podcasts that I'd like to let you guys know about because you want to check them out. And what better way to check them out than by listening to an interview with me? I was recently on the Not Another Liberty podcast talking about 
about a recent article I wrote about the Gina Carano situation. Uh, we got into the cathedral, uh, some interesting topics there. So be sure to check that one out. I also had a great conversation over on the Honest Offense podcast talking about some similar subjects. So check them both out. The Not Another Liberty podcast and the Honest Offense podcast. Of course, if you want to read my writing, I've been doing a lot of writing recently over at my Substack, markclair.substack.com. Of course, you can also hear me each and every week on the Second Print Comics podcast with my host, my host, my co-host, Remzo W. Martinez. And the fun doesn't end there because that's just me, guys. You got a whole plethora of content here on the Lions of Liberty feed. Every Wednesday, you got Brian McWilliams slapping you upside your head with his very special brand of comedy, culture, and liberty on Electric Liberty Land. While John Odermatt wraps things up on Thursdays with his amazing look, his dive into all the ways, all the methods you can use to find more freedom in your life on Finding Freedom. Hit that subscribe button. Listen to them all. You got to catch them all. Catch all those darn lions. Come roar with us three times a week by smashing the heck out of that subscribe button. Until next time, my friends. Live and live free.